Hey, Who's John. There? Who's there? <laughs> I was muted. <laughs> I used <laughs> I used my mute switch. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> I got a mute switch. Uh, was it something someone sent to you, or was it a thing that you had made, or is it a thing you bought at the Guitar Center? Uh, I've had it for a while. I tried it. It did not completely erase the signal, and so I regarded it as a failure. And then I thought, you know oh. what? It's like uh, Stalin says, you know, the enemy mm. of the good is uh, paved with uh, Mike switches. Yeah, yeah. the the, so, the, uh, the yes. silver bars. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pairs in the trees. And so I, I uh, hooked it up, and now I got a I got a switch. So if I have to pee in a jug or or similar, right. you know, right. uh, I, uh, you, you know, someone sent me back in the old days when I was uh, when I had the office. Someone sent me a cough button. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were like uh, clearly a rock and roll person, and the cough button was like a foot switch, like a mm-hmm. like a distort a st- distortion box, a stomp box, yeah, a stomp box, and uh, you know, so to stomp on it would be like you know, like mm-hmm. except it would it, except it would mute me, and I think it was back in the day when Roderick on the Line fans were concerned that I had a lot of mouth noises mm-hmm. and coughs and yeah. smorks and snicks and sclorks. Mm-hmm. Before they realized that what was in the show was in the show. Yeah, before before we had fully accepted that. Right. right. Yes. No. And I, I, it's nice to see that those people have either uh, stopped talking about it or stopped listening to the show. I'm grateful in either case. Now, here's well, the thing. I got to go ahead. Well, I, I was, I was going to say you would mm-hmm. think so, but somebody just the other day posted something that oh, said geez. that they couldn't, they couldn't listen to our program. Oh. That's because because my mic mm-hmm. sounded not as good because Aww. we because we record through QuickTime Player or mm. whatever it is that we do so mm. so it's they're still out there they mm, still are, they're, they're still mad about alas, the tone open letter to John and Merlin <laughs> alas bad. I have enjoyed your program for many years but alas <laughs> it was a response to someone else but of course they they yeah. they kindly kindly love uh, that love seeing that. But, but here's the funny part is uh, in the, as you say, in the interregnum, I had purchased yeah. a second one of these because I, apparently I can't buy one of anything. Of course you can't. Yeah. And so I got one and it's, God, I wish I, I'm not going to Google it, but um, yeah, so I bought, I bought a second one of these and went, ha ha. Now this one, everybody said, this is the baller one. So uh-huh. I, I, I had the Rolls MS111 mic switch. And then uh, somebody suggested I get this other one, which escapes me. And the it really, one. really looked like a stomp box. And it actually had a chunk, chunk. Yeah. And I said, wow, this is a lot like a rat pedal. You know what? Turns out it's made by the people who make rat pedals. Oh, Proco. Proco. But, to, but Proco. you don't want a chunk, chunk on because you're going to hit, hit, you're going to at least hear the chunk, if not the full chunk, chunk. Right. It's true. Um, but, you know, I think the idea is that, that we sit at our podcasting stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, maybe it's that we all have standing desks, or mm. maybe it's that underneath our desks we have a full array of pedals, like, like, uh, like Getty Lee's bass pedals, or like guitarist pedals right here. I, I don't use yeah. them, but anytime, <laughs> it's just in case I need to play the Moog, but I want a oh. hot bass lick, <laughs> just like Inve. <laughs> we used those in the long winters, you know. Guitarist pedals. Eric Corson had us not a set of Moogs, but the um. Uh, they weren't exactly knockoffs, but they were, you know, knockoffs. But ba- you're talking about bass pedals. 
Yeah. That, and, when uh, it serves, those are heavy. Uh, you know, they weren't light, but Eric, this was during a phase when Eric was like going through a mad gear phase. Mm-hmm. And he would play them during um, during Commander Thinks Aloud because then he could play the on his little keyboard. And then we did a couple of shows. In some ways, they were the best Long Winter shows where it was just the two of us. And he had a setup that was keyboard bass guitar on a stand next to him, um, the bass pedals. And then I had, and then, Oh, and then there was a drum kit and the drum kit had maybe the bass pedals by the drum kit. And then I had a keyboard and a guitar and we could, we could do a pretty full set of just the two of us kind of switching around. I actually played the drums on what? one or two songs. Oh my God. And we just switched around and it, it was amazing. It was really stripped down and fun. And did you tour? We, well, not tour. Did you travel and perform shows like that? We did a couple of shows. We did one at the at the Crocodile, and did one at the okay. at the Triple Door. But no, we never went anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it was it was like it was right before we kind of stopped playing together. But it was it was like our our peak achievement when he and I had we kind of became a duo right there at the end. Mm-hmm. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of we had a lot of possibility that we didn't explore. A lot, there was a lot of a lot of potential futures that. Um, mm-hmm. Believe me, I understand. Yeah. Oof. Is there any mm. theme to the show? You know, really. Delicious coffee, delicious. Oh, you got you guys got some coffee. I did. You know, uh, I have to say, I have to point mm. out, a lot of people don't know this, but for a long time, over a year, you have been texting me on Sunday night, <laughs> saying, "We good for tomorrow?" I've been doing an experiment, trying not doing that. And it was, it's been lovely. Mm-hmm. It's been lovely. We doing it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I uh, never, I never know how that's received. I, 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 I've been doing that for, well, it's more than a year, buddy. Uh, yeah. But that's that's because I don't know. I don't think you use a calendar. Let me say with some confidence, I'm pretty sure you don't use a calendar in the same way that I do. No, I don't. And um, and so ordinarily, I'd send somebody the the calendar invite, as the as the youths say. But uh, I don't know if that gets into your system, you know. Or uh, even if it did. Yeah. And so actually I, I had a, uh, re- because I'm me, I actually had a reminder to myself every Sunday night to text you to say, are we good to record uh, tomorrow at 10 as we do literally every Monday? Right. Yeah. And every time you sent me the text, <laughs> I was like, right. Yes. See, now I was worried. I See, now this is the problem. Am I being helpful or am I being a pill? Well, you because I'm not treating so- you, I'm treating you like a teen, yes, or a tween, right. a tween who has to a remember tween. to get the water bottle and the watch and all the things. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. But you haven't done it in like what three weeks? Two, two three or, weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've just been like, what is going on? Okay, I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Every time I, every time when I wake up on Monday mornings, fifteen minutes before the show starts, I'm like, yeah. is it Monday? Am you you I texted okay? me last week. I thought I thought we we kind of like uh, gone over the like uh, gone over the peak because you texted me last week and said, "Are we recording today?" I said, "Yes, sir." <laughs> yes, yes. Every, literally, I, literally. <laughs> unless we say otherwise, literally every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> right for nine I really years. I haven't been doing since 2011, <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, yes. It's in, just, any, it's, in any case, <laughs> it's a little bit. It's been disorienting. Okay, all right. So I don't what, know. What would if you? you could what would start, be? What would be useful? Start doing that again. How can I uh, make me useful? What would be a good mm. way? 
what's a new integration? Should we return to an old technology? What is it? What is a good way for me to make this easier on you? Oh well, the, you had it at uh, you had it uh, when you were texting me every Sunday night at like 10 p.m. Going, are we recording tomorrow? That was it. Okay. I'd, see, I tell people all the time, mm-hmm. and I think I've told you, um, go ahead and lie to me. Uh, don't give me all the information. Hmm. Don't let me know when the actual deadline is. Don't oh. tell me what time it is now. Tell me what time you want me to think it is, and hmm. I will. Like, I will accept that because I'm frankly desperate to be managed. Mm-hmm. You talked and, about this on your road work program a while back. Mm, but if you tell me, if you send me a text every every Monday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. and you told me it was 9 a.m., <clears throat> hmm. I would I'd go, oh yes, I would not. It would not occur to me to look at the phone to to. So you're, you're like, receiving the text, and I'm telling you that it is a time that it is not, and mm. you would not feel inclined to look in the upper right-hand corner of your phone to see what time it is. No, not okay. not really. I mean, okay, because oh well, because every mm. clock that I have that I'm, that it's possible to set independent of the of the Borg. Yes, I set to a different time than every other clock. Oh my God, John. So every clock in the house, with the exception of the two clocks, oh. the, my 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 oven hmm. has two clocks on it. Hmm. There's a there, and they're right next to each other. Two clocks. There's a because it's a it's a microwave and oven built in together, like a uh, com, right. like a combo, yeah. and the controls are right next to each other. Sure. And so you need two sets of controls because your oven could have a timer and your and your microwave could be going, but in their neutral state. They both just have a clock. So right next to each other, it's just like, there it is, 10, 14, 10, 14. So those two have to be super in sync. And I start one. It's 10, 18, but that's fine. 10, 18. And I, whatever. (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Keeps. You can learn more about Keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash supertrain. Losing hair sucks, and two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. Introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting at just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. You just answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. And then that is shipped right to your door every three months. Pretty good, huh? Uh, Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them for this price. Keeps treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Some men do experience hair regrowth, and at best, men will get back up to 20% of the hair they lost. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, plus now you can get your first month free. That's one heck of a deal for getting to keep your hair. So if you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need is to wait to see a doctor with Keeps. There's finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. For a limited time, receive your first month of treatment for free. You go to Keeps.com slash Supertrain. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Supertrain. That's a free month of treatment at Keeps.com slash Supertrain. Keeps. Hair today hair tomorrow. Our thanks to Keep for supporting Roderick on the Line 
and all the great shows. And I, and I, <laughs> Ad break. <laughs> I stand there and uh, and uh, I push one and then I wait and then I I stand there for a, a whole minute with my finger poised over the start button of the other so that they can so they change at the same moment. Now maybe I'm a few minutes oh, off. Oh, oh, yes. When they, I they, don't stay that, they don't stay that way, do they? Well, they, yeah, there's a little variation, but I I change it up. Uh, but then I, when I realized that the watch, the Apple Watch, would allow you to make it wrong, the Apple you can go into the Apple Watch and change it so that the time is mm. ten minutes fast, five mm. to fifteen minutes fast. You can, but it's not a good idea. Well, that's what I do. Oh, you do. Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Okay. And the the clock in my car is mm. set differently. So anyway, if you if somebody says like it's ten eighteen, like you just did, mm-hmm. how would I? I mean, I could look down at my computer where there's a clock ticking away and okay. confirm. Oh, it says mine says ten nineteen. Okay. All right. But I guess you said that a minute ago. Well, it's confusing because um yeah okay oh hmm. okay there's a lot here, mm. um you know just for what it's worth I I think what you're doing is madness uh the, you know that's how you can tell we're different, but if, it seems to me that you need to empower someone in your life with a set of instructions to keep this system truly entropic, so you need to find somebody who thinks what you're doing is a good idea I I feel like. And, and you should say to them, listen, this often, I want you to go and change my clocks within this uh, range of variability. So you could do something as simple as, you don't want to get too crazy with this, but you could go in and say, irrespective of what the time is right now on that clock, I want you to change it up or down three minutes. And if you did that for all of your clocks, now, now you're getting some entropy. The, the thing is that I the entropy exists in my uh, inability or unwillingness to remember what I did last mm-hmm. with any given clock. So as soon as I set it, like two days later, you don't for adjust. Instance, See, my problem is I would adjust. Like my stupid goddamn cheap microwave here at my office says it is so right. My my computer, which is connected to the Borg, says it's ten twenty a.m. My microwave, which I had set correctly, now says ten twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So it's got it's really it's it's greasy it's it's sliding on the rails time wise. The thing that the, the fact that they're all wrong. Ugh. The, the, Ugh. If you came into the house right now, okay, that's not true because it's been weirdly cleaned by like nine other people. But before mm-hmm. I started to move, if you came into the house and you said, "Where is the belt buckle that says STP on it?" Mm-hmm. For you know the the old um, the like oil oil, uh, oil the performance thing. oil yeah I would be able to walk over to whatever slee stack there was in the corner and find this fucking thing I knew where everything was oh that's so interesting in all the slee stacks it didn't matter if I had not laid hands on it in two and a half years if you said where can you find me a protractor I would have gone oh yeah it's right over here and I walk up as to, long as nobody know, has disturbed. Your slee stacks, you're able to put your hand to almost anything. That's right. Mm-hmm. But I do not remember whether the microwave stove clock is closer to the truth mm-hmm. than the car clock or the watch clock. Hmm. 
And it causes me then per- to perpetually, doubt. perpetually. You're, there's not one where you like secretly know in your mind, setting aside your phone and your Borg devices. There is not one clock that you know secretly is almost the truth. Well, this is the thing. I thought that the clock in the car was 18 minutes fast, mm. but then mm. I was kind of six minutes late to everything. <laughs> kind of. And I realized that the clock in the car was 12 minutes fast. Mm. And it, it, oh, I'm sorry. Tw- well, it was it was six minutes slower. Oh, I'm gonna oh. need a I'm gonna need a primer style diagram <laughs> for this conversation. Anyway, it was screwing you me get up. Back in the box because... at 3 p.m. That takes you back to 5 a.m. Now that's John number three gets out, hides the box. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not the ideal situation, but but it's just time, but, man. It's just yeah. time. The guys in Friendly Fire have figured out a couple of things. One, they don't tell me because we're we've recorded a few episodes in advance, mm-hmm. uh, but they haven't told me how many in advance. Could be tw- two. Could be twenty. <laughs> you don't know. No, no idea. No okay. idea what's coming out this week <laughs> or when we recorded it. Okay. All right. But then they also send me uh, a text like a few days before the show telling me what movie it is that we agreed to watch, which is something that that's important. That, there are other places I could find it, but I don't remember what I don't remember how to find those places. Mm-hmm. And that's been very helpful because when I get that text, I'm like, oh, right. I do a podcast where I watch a movie. Yeah. And I go like anytime somebody says, hey, can you do this? I say, send me a text. 48 hours or 24 hours before it and that puts it into the current stack mentally sort of right okay right but there's like what's what's it's in the stack because that was that was why i I accidentally discovered that texting you sometime between 7 p.m and 10 p.m sunday nights before we record literally every monday at 10 that something about that was a good place in your stack i don't know how the system works but you're like an ai we're like, mm-hmm. I just want to see if the results happened the way that we expected, regardless of how mm-hmm. we got there. Kind of, you're, you're like a, yeah. a machine learning machine. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get me to it's hard to just feed like Nazi input into me and turn me into a Nazi. Okay, you can't do that. Okay, like okay. Uh, like all the Microsoft AIs. Okay. Oh, okay. But but um, but in terms of in terms of manipulating me with with um. Handpicked inputs, like you don't, you really can't go wrong by um, by just shaving the truth off of off of everything to keep me from making keep me from making the mistake of getting ahead of what I'm meant to do. Right? If I if you if you hmm. need me to be if you need me to be somewhere at 10 every Monday mm-hmm. and you trust, because here's the, here's the problem. No Sunday night is the same for me. Oh, really? Yeah. There's well, no, well, why is su- that? there's just never been a Sunday night. That's been the same as the one before it or the one after. Cause I don't have a schedule. I don't have a plan. Oh, uh, you don't, don't have, have the have sense a, of Sunday that one has. Like I used, I used to find Sunday nights. I still find Sunday nights a little depressing, even though I don't have a real job. But as a kid, I found it genuinely depressing. I did not like. Sundays oh, so did I. As a kid, I yeah. didn't either. I think there's a name. I for didn't that even now. like Sunday mornings. It, yeah, I think this is a phenomenon. I think there's been BuzzFeed articles about this. I think it's actually is a it, thing. The sense of dread people have on Sundays. 
It's not called I Hate Mondays. It's not called the Garfield disease. <laughs> yeah, the silicon chip inside Garfield's head got switched to overload. But but no, I don't I don't have uh you know my daughter goes to school on Mondays, but yeah. sometimes she's she's with me on uh, Sunday. Doctor nights. Who, we sometimes call that a fixed moment in time, uh-huh. right? That's a thing you gotta do, right? But not every Monday. But not every Monday. Because sometimes she stays with me, sometimes she's with her mother. Every Sunday's so different. Every, okay. Every Sunday's different. Oh, jeez. So there's and a lot of Sundays I don't know that it's Sunday. Huh. All Sunday long I don't know that it's Sunday. So at the end of Sunday, I don't know that it's gonna be Monday. You're kidding. You spend an entire day not knowing what day of the week it is? I spend a whole week not knowing what what week of the month it is. Okay. That, that, that one I'm okay with, but like I have such a sense of such a valence for certain days. That, that's one reason I get so screwy during summertime is that like I go, God, today really feels like a Saturday, but it's a Thursday and it's really messing with my head. The, the, oh, the, I have the, that. The motions and movements of the day, the valence feels much more Saturday than Thursday, which screws me up for today and screws me up for my sense of tomorrow because that day has a valence too. Well, that happens to me all the time because okay. I honestly don't know whether it's Thursday or Saturday. Okay. And so it's like Saturday. You're like an Oliver then... Sacks chapter. This is super interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know whether my hat is, is my wife. <laughs> <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Oh, there are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. Oh, oh, sky's literally the limit. You can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new site. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish other kinds of content. Images, not a problem. Sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or online business. You can announce an upcoming event or special project. So much more. You know, if you will it, it is no dream. Yeah, it's Squarespace. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers Powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Gives you the ability to customize the look and feel, settings, products, and more with just a few quick clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They have a new way to buy domains, and you can choose from over 200 extensions. That's so many extensions. They have analytics that help you grow in real time. Built-in search engine optimization. Free and secure hosting with nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And if you ever find yourself in a jam, don't worry, because they have 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They're encouraging folks to make it. You go, you make it with Squarespace. I make it with Squarespace. Well, that was really a poor choice of words. I love Squarespace. You're using Squarespace right now because that's where the Roderick on the Line podcast is hosted, as well as pretty much mm, just about all my personal sites. I'm a big fan. I really do recommend them. So right now, uh, go, go check out squarespace.com supertrain for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SUPERTRAIN to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> you go over and pet the fire plug, you know? Yeah. He's, he's fascinated purr, by the cuttlefish. Purr, 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 purr. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it, but it does cause problems, but it makes it, I feel like it makes it easier and it makes it <laughs> for you. Um, uh, no, no, no. I mean, it makes it gentle. Okay. If somebody says to me, we need to get this done by tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know that this needs to be done by tomorrow. Oh, you do have a sense of tomorrow. I have a big sense of tomorrow. 
But if there are people, if there's a group of people, let's say three people who are like, ah, oh, fuck, we need Roderick to do this. Yeah. Okay. Tell him that it needs to be done tomorrow. And then one of them writes me and says, this needs to get done tomorrow. And I go, oh, shit, shit. Okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, fuck. All right. I'll, keep, I'll hang on. I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. And then I'm scrambling and I'm in knocking stuff over. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like at the ticka, ticka, ticka. Or I'm like, or whatever. And the three of them are somewhere laughing. And they're like, lol. It doesn't need to be done tomorrow. We just need it done so that we can get on to the next thing. Okay. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then I like get it in under the wire. I got it done. Mm-hmm. I don't care that they're laughing at me. I don't care. I don't, the next day, if they're like, ha ha, we didn't need that done. We just, we just wanted it done or whatever it is. Or like we did need it done, but it actually didn't need to be done until a week from now or whatever, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> I am not mad that I was misled. Mm. Because honestly, I would rather just, I want to get the thing done. And if they trusted me to get it to them on time, they, they have learned probably Mm -hmm. because this has started to happen now. They've learned that it's just better to mislead me and manipulate me than it is to count on me. (laughs) You've uh, intentionally or otherwise, you've trained each other. You've, uh-huh. you've, you've trained them. This is something I used to talk about with email. Like if you constantly hover over your email and respond to everything the second it comes in, you're creating an expectation with people that that's what you, you'll do. And then they'll be disappointed if you don't do that in the future and think you're bad. So you've trained them in terms of expectations and results, like, like machine learning. So, and, and, but in some ways they've, they've gone back and trained you to some extent. Yeah, Right. Right, like you had trained me, and then you are, are trying an experiment or something where you're not doing it, and and I'm unmoored, and right. you're like, but you know, the whole thing was like, I don't know what whether it was, um, I don't know. You've been doing it for a long time. It just felt like a, it just <laughs> it felt like, like a, a normal thing. <laughs> just felt like a friendly thing that you would every. I'm Sunday gonna okay. Say, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna click right here. I'm gonna click. I want, I want to hear the rest of this, but I'm gonna click. I'm saying. Uh, uh, let's see here. Text Roderick about show tomorrow. Yeah. Now I'm going to, can I do that? Can I do that as uh, I'll say, I'll make that uh, the 11th at uh, that's a Sunday, the 11th yeah. uh-huh. and I'll make that at uh, 1900 hours. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's perfect. That's Cause, perfect. Cause I'm interested in the stack idea. You know what I mean? I mean like, and and also I do want to get back to your STP uh, belt buckle because I'm, mm. I'm very intrigued in that ability that you have because I have something similar that feels mm-hmm. to my family a little strange sometimes. But um so uh, so text Roderick about show tomorrow. Now the stack is interesting to me because uh, like everybody can uh, stand a certain amount. Let's say a messy desk. Like some people, that's a classic, right? Like some people don't want to have a clean desk. Some people can't stand not having a clean desk. A but clean we, desk is a sign of a sick mind. That's right. You don't have to be crazy to work here, <laughs> but uh, it helps. And uh, I think everybody's different in terms of their stack. Now, my I'm so on the other end of the forgive my saying spectrum, which is I'm a set it and forget it guy. Like if it's not on the calendar where I can see it, it doesn't exist. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Cause like I need to, like I've reached a place in life where I need to know that the calendar is truth. 
The calendar, the calendar is a is the calendar is truth. The calendar is a set of commitments for things that will die if they're not done on that day. Or nearly die. They might be in bad shape. Uh -huh. And so, but like so with you, it's more like you have a handful, what, probably five-ish things that once they're inserted into your memory module. Now they are, that stack has become your truth. And now you'll remember the next morning, you won't need a reminder that Monday morning as well, because it's in the stack. Correct? Hmm. Uh... Well, if I, if, so for example, I'm putting a piece of paper in your stack Sunday mm -hmm. nights at 7 p.m., 1900 hours, I like to say. And, yes. and that's going to, now you're going to remember, I told you that, and then you don't need two or three more reminders. There's something right. about that range and that amount of stuff. There, what I'm trying to get at is, if I tell you about something two years from Wednesday, you're probably right. not going to remember that. No. And if I send you 60 things to do tomorrow, you're not going to remember that. There's a certain no. distance out and amount in the stack that's optimal for you. Right. Like I, I do have a calendar and I put things in it. The problem is I don't look at it. Oh, so my no. calendar is full of things. Hmm. And if somebody says, can you do something October 2nd? I will go to October 2nd. And if there's nothing there, I'll say, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can do that thing. The problem is I don't then put that thing in the Ooh. calendar. So then when somebody else comes to me and says, can you do something October 2nd? Mm -hmm. I get a queasy feeling like, um, I hang on, let me look. And I look at the calendar. I'm like, well, there's nothing there, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then they go, well, what do you mean? You don't know. Can you do the thing? And I'm like, Cause you got, you got a tickle. Think so. Right. There's I a tickle. There's a tickle about October 2nd somewhere. Somewhere, mm -hmm. but the, the and that's when I get into those situations where where people, as they're getting closer to an event, they send you a follow up email like, "All right, we're on for the second, mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. But sometimes I'll get a I'll get a jam up mm -hmm. where somebody you know where I've agreed to do two things because I didn't put the when I found that the second was clear, I said yes, but I didn't. Because I populate my calendar with things that people send me, I just don't often put new things in it myself, hmm. which it, is terrible. It's bad. Well, it's, that, it's 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 you know it's it's a thing. Uh, is it is it um, uh, a bother, or do you think you don't need it? Or, I mean, is it strange that I'm even asking you why you don't do that? Personally, I don't like it when people ask me why I don't do things. But no, I, I, I am in this instance curious about why you don't write things on the calendar. You don't need it. It's frustrating. It's annoying. You don't want to be bugged about it. It's some people just psychically don't want to see a bunch of stuff on their calendar. You know it's what not, I mean? It's not that I don't want to see stuff on the calendar, but <laughs> I didn't used to have that many things to do when I could remember everything that I had to do. Oh, yeah. And now I have <laughs> that a sure lot, goes away. I have a lot more things to do. Yeah. And also, I don't remember because I have those things where my daughter's mother will, as she's walking past, she'll say, uh, the 18th, I'm going to be in Vegas. And that's the same day that. Forget um, it. You might as well be talking about the fucking Wizard of Oz. No. You, we right. have to have the calendars in front of us when you mention a date. And I just go, oh, mm, oh no. Yeah. Because I, I figure, because A, I'm my dad. I go, huh. And then uh, also I figure that <laughs> It's not even an acknowledgement. <laughs> uh, 
I figure that it's not a yes, to, it's an ack. It's just a, that's right, ack. It's, it's a half, halfway between a Kathy and a build a cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> Swimsuit season, all right? Oh, Irving. <laughs> um, I, uh, I figure that there's a reminder coming before I have to do anything. Mm-hmm. That somewhere closer to the event, someone will again walk past me in a kitchen and say, "Remember, I said I was going to be in Vegas, and that that's the day that your that that grandma needs her dentures uh, polished or whatever." Yes. And I go, "Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> whatever." Uh, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. People okay. who are because also all my podcast ho- co-hosts. Uh, they all have different systems, but there's all, you know, like each, each one of the people that, you know, it's strange, but I do podcast. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you have this experience yourself, but I do podcasts with different groups of dudes, all of whom have different anxiety profiles. Oh, interesting. Right? Like there's you, we've discussed uh, that uh, quite a bit. Um, different anxiety profiles. I'm super yeah. intrigued by that. Well, think about Dan, yeah. someone you and I both know, and think about Dan's anxiety profile. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really overlap yours very much at all. No. It's a whole separate set of, of uh, requirements, right? Like Dan needs to go to the doctor sometimes. Dan's got to eat lunch. Dan has to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes at the last minute, um, he needs emergency surgery. I can never tell if it's, if it's real or not. Um, and it often happens like uh, in a in a very short time frame. But also, Dan uh, is very busy. He's mm-hmm. extremely busy. I don't know if you know this about him, but he's yes. very busy. Yes. And so, if you try to schedule something far out with, if you're like, "Hey, I'm leaving in a month. I just want you to know I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Maybe we could do a makeup episode." That's impossible. You cannot mm-hmm. do that. Dan's busy then. So manage when he sends me stuff where he's like, "We have to do this and we have to do that." I'm like, okay, that goes into that goes into my function machine attached to a packet that represents an anxiety profile. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that phrase. But yeah, every everybody's got another way to put it was everybody's got their own hang ups and preferences. Yeah. That you need I mean, to account for in how you solve problems. Exactly. Like Ken Jennings is somebody who it, he is he manages himself very well but ken of everybody that i know has the most um he is the most sanguine about the possibility that everything will burn down at any given moment oh like what ken a great is, attitude yeah he's just like i'm going you know like i have to be on good morning america tomorrow and so i'm going to do that but if it means that I become the host of Good Morning America, uh, then I'll I'll be dealing with that, and our show will have to take a backseat to my new host job of Good Morning America. Yes. Or uh, I could talk about our show on Good Morning America, and it could become the most popular show in America, and then we'll you know. But he never, he is not invested in any one thing to the degree that if it burned down, it would wobble him. Or yes, I see what you're saying, but the, the and I mean I'm, I'm looking at it from my point of view, being like with, with my anxiety profile, it's that constant I don't know fear of loss or something I guess, or a sense yes. of like, um, uh, and I mean I, I don't want to overstate it, 
but you know, loss aversion is a, is a big thing with people. Uh, there's lots yes. of science about that. And it sounds like in his case, he has, he's like the free solo guy with the, the, the free solo guy with his crazy uh, amygdala. It's just that in Ken's case, he does not have as much bioavailable automatic concern about change. He, he sees yes. it could be an opportunity for a good thing. It could just not be a thing at all. Whereas me, I, I heavily invest all kinds of portent into anything that could be a change. Right. I think you have Am it. I, getting I think close? you've nailed it. Yes, yeah, I think yeah. you are. I think you are. He does But that not, must be crazy he, making. That must drive you nuts. Well, because because of everybody <laughs> that I deal with, Ken introduces insecurity into my life because I say well, you know, the, the, the show that we're doing, um, you know, this could happen or that happens. Mm -hmm. And Ken will say something to the effect of, well, if that happens, it means we don't do the show anymore. So shrug. I guess we better not He's let a that shrugger. happen. He's a shrugger. And I go, what? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Well, that's crazy talk. And the thing is, Ken totally fights for the show all the time. Like mm -hmm. he... It's not he's not blase about it, but he does have this like shrug and uh, and I and so so it's the one instance where I feel myself kind of go down like a cat and go like, no, wait a minute. Give me some reassuring language. And <laughs> yes. Ken's like, yeah, I don't really do that. Yeah, I don't give I don't give reassuring language. Oof. Because that just seems like a this seems like extra oxygen I would have to process. And it's like, yes. It is extra oxygen, which I'd like you to process on my behalf as a favor to me. Mm -hmm. and he goes. I don't, he says, "I don't know what I don't know what you want me to tell you." Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, everything you could, everything could a, end tomorrow. Can you imagine having him for a dad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, uh. I can't so say I there's to... not a monster under your bed. <laughs> that wouldn't be rational. <laughs> well, right. And so well, like I they say, like I you know, they up, say uh, a, a way to be a learned person. And I forget where I heard this quote, but something like, uh, "It's good to have um, strong opinions weekly held." You know, the idea that, like, it's okay to have oh, a strong nice. opinion, be willing to change. It sounds like he has hardly hardly any opinion or hardly held at all, and he could just walk away Was <laughs> the flames go up. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, he's walking down the middle of the street with a shotgun in one hand, and the world is blowing up behind him. Uh, but so so that has – so aloha has been very good. Uh, I Practicing aloha with Ken – because I practice aloha with all my co-hosts in sure. various ways. Yes. And with Ken, it's just like – he is not going to give me any reassurance, and yet his behavior is consistent and consistently indicates that he is doing what he wants to do and that this is, you know, like he is dedicated to this. And so I just am aloha. I just have to aloha everything, and mm -hmm. every day could be my last, right? Hmm. Yeah. Now, with the Friendly Fire guys, they both have different and in some ways oppositional anxiety profiles. So that's complicated. There's three of us there. Yeah. Adam Pranica is a is a very smart guy and a very sweet guy, but he agrees with whoever was talking last. Mm -hmm. Which is very difficult to plan around. Because if he, right. if if you're talking and someone else is talking, Adam is in the middle, he'll be like, Yeah, yeah, you made a lot of good points. And then the other person will say the opposite. And he'll be like, Yeah, I agree with that. So He's like, um, eventually his vote just gets canceled out, which is not a good way to run a three-person democracy. And then Ben is, is absolutely consumed with anxiety to the point that he, uh, 
is uh, maybe going to explode. At so, any so, he's, so in that case, he's the one looking for assurance. <sighs> he, well, but he also has strongly, strong opinions strongly held. Mm. Oh, boy, that's, a, that's, that's quite a pickle of a barrel. Ooh. It is. It ooh, is. Ooh, that's yeah. a lot to deal with. It is a lot. <sighs> but anyway, yeah. all of these things are on my calendar. <laughs> you would be astonished. I, I know that you cannot understand this, but I do four I have four different shows. Uh I do one a day. And every night before I go to sleep, I have to be, I have to remember that I do a podcast, Mm -hmm. first of all. And then I have to remember which one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I forget. I wake up in the morning and I go, "What what do I have to do today? Same thing I've been doing on this day. For two years, yeah, and it's just not there. But I can I can tell you so many things that it would be that you'd be surprised. I remember, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole. That's the that's whole. The STP belt, that's the STP belt buckle right there. Well, it is, and all these stories and everything that we talk about, and all the little things and the little things. I remember them all. I just don't have a. I don't have a. I definitely have a calendar in my head of the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a calendar. Well, of you're the good future. at remembering things and uh, sequences that things happened in, and uh, it's tough for me to say because my memory for things like conversations is pretty terrible. But you do seem to remember like fairly specific. I've not tested you. I've quizzed you in the past, and you have amazing recollection for like when things happened. You know, it was this tour. You were in town at that place. I go and I look at a picture, and I'm like, wait. So Nabil was the drummer at that point. It's in a record store. And like, I do have to go look at the metadata to have any idea when that photograph was taken. You know what I mean? I don't, whereas you seem to, I don't know, maybe you have a kind of bespoke dementia. You know, you've Mm -hmm. got, you've got uh, that kind of specificity. I do think, so here's what I was going to say. So you and your belt buckle. And again, I, 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 have been friends with John Sedacusa long enough to know to question everything about myself in a way that makes me even more anxious. But I, uh, as a, I, 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 there's that phrase, photographic memory. And I, eh, I don't know what the science on that is, but I can tell you that when I do have a very strange mind uh, for remembering certain kinds of things, like, um, like a lot of people, maybe a lot of people my age, I have a very specific location memory for a lot mm-hmm. of songs and audio. Like mm-hmm. I can remember what intersection I was at when a certain part of a podcast played, I'm able to tell you how far I need to fast forward based on where I was listening to this before and where I paused the audio, that kind of thing. Mm. But also weird, and I don't want to say photographic memory, but like when I was a kid, I could remember stuff from books and I could remember where on the page that thing was. Not, Whoa. not, I mean, not, not flawlessly, but in right. a kind of um, impressionistic way. And that still happens today. And it's, but, but of course, with my failing memory, it has gotten weird. So my daughter will say, where's the brush? Where's the pink brush? Or where is my hat? And I'll say, your hat is on something. Mm-hmm. Your hat is on something. And I've seen it several times in the last few days. It might be something wooden. Uh, but you're that kind of thing, or I'll remember, right. or I could just go, your pink brush is behind the bench by the, the, the Lego fishing store. Right. Like, I, and I just, I don't, I don't know how I know, but I know. And that's, that's where it was. And I guess that's maybe everybody has that, but given how terrible the rest of my memory is, it is some kind, sometimes kind of crazy that I know which sleeve stack 
the STP buckle is near? You and I have a different spatial, like a, a different geography, because I can remember, I I can sense the location of things, and uh, and I'm I'm constantly amazed by it in a similar way in a similar way that you do. Like mm-hmm. I, I I don't you, you say, surprise you surprise yourself. Yeah, I don't say like oh that's in the top drawer. I say, I, I kind of, it's like a, I almost have a divining rod. Oh, I go, yeah, oh. like you're looking at a crystal ball, and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, I can tell that it's nighttime and there's trees. Like that kind of thing where you're like, like I say, impressionistic sometimes. Yeah, I just go like, I kind of put my hand up and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, it's just kind of like, follow me. And I go, I walk up, and I am kind of have my hand out like the lady from Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. and uh, the, the little and lady? Just, the little lady. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of go, meow, and then I reach my hand under a stack of papers. Yes, and I pull it out. I've said, I've said to my family, uh, as though I were the small woman, I will say something like, "Come with me." I don't know where it is, but I know that I know where it is. It's almost right. like tip of the tongue phenomenon. And then I, it's sort of like your passport calling out to you. I might put my hands up, and I will go like I and. Uh, I, I force myself to stop looking at the room in that sort of Daniel Kahneman first order way. I'm going to go into slow thinking, second order thinking, and browsing, and and it will find me. Like you say, like a divining rod. It's it's the rod, and I'm the water. I just need to get near the rod, and it'll find me. Right. And they don't right. understand but, that sometimes. But I do not have the thing where you have some kind of synesthesia where you can remember where it was that you were listening to where you were when you were listening to a thing. Mm -hmm. I, I do remember where on the page certain things were Mm -hmm. like, I I can open a book and kind of go to where the thing was and put my finger on the, on the paragraph. Yeah. Um, so there is a, there, we do have a similarity there. There's part, part of remembering conversations, with people is remembering you were standing there. I was standing here. You reached over and picked up a pack of cigarettes and you said blank. Mm-hmm. And then because it's <clears throat> like you recall the, you recall the, the, the scene. Yeah. Pretty. I, I remember sitting, at, sitting, waiting for a table with you and your millennium girlfriend. And she was using, uh, testing out my pen in my notebook. I had these like sort of like flashbulb memories of these. I remember sitting at the table and you being annoyed as I kept fast forwarding through all of your new songs. I, I have, like I said to Dan the other day, that I have such a specific recollection of you taking me to the basement for those glasses that you picked out for me. Mm-hmm. There are these things. They're like, yeah, Max Temkin, Temkin calls them flashbulb memories. Those kinds of things. I don't have it for everything by a long shot, but for some kinds flash of things, there's something memories. really indelible about it. Yeah, that's nice. I like a flashbulb memory. Mm-hmm. Um. But, or you also have your you have a means uh okay so you have an you had an umbrella stand that had umbrellas and swords you've talked a lot about things like cigar boxes for like ticket stubs so you right. have um a way of uh i guess organizing but like gathering taxonomizing finding meaningful distinctions to me, it's a step beyond organizing because for some people, organizing is just putting shit in a box. But in your case, like there's something, there are meaningful distinctions that the objects in your life clue you to. And then you, you're the, you're the, the vessel for putting those things where they need to be. Well, like I have a, I have a ticket, I have a, a cigar box that's full of concert tickets. <clears throat> I have a cigar box that's full of plane tickets. 
I have a cigar box that's full of backstage passes. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a cigar box that's full of tickets to plays, um, musicals, uh, monster truck rallies, uh, baseball games, things that I don't... Non-musical events. Right. But if if I go to a play, which is... not side by side by Sondheim, but if I go to uh-huh. a play that is that's set to the music of Elton John, uh-huh. what box does the ticket go in? The right. the the music t- the it's concert a, it's box. A ju- it's a jukebox musical, and it has to go. That would have to go in the miscellaneous box of theater and sports. That's where I'd put it. Yeah. Um, but then the boxes themselves don't pick up much space. Mm-hmm. The danger is if you said to me at any point, are those tickets arranged in any kind of order within the box? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that would be that would set me on a path of ruin hmm. because if I if I needed because what I what the box full of plane tickets is to me is a potential resource. It's not a resource yet mm. because it's not organized by date. Well, also it's not like a collection in the sense of being like baseball cards or Pokemon cards or something. It's not, you don't need the taxonomy. If it's a set of playing cards, a 52 card deck plus two jokers and instructions like that, by the nature of that is supposed to be a little bit chaotic. Those don't need to be organized. They just need to be together. And with the plane tickets, that's something where you might need to go back at some point, and for whatever reason, you want to find what your gate was for that. Is that the idea? Well, but also, um, so uh, so for instance, <clears throat> there it isn't that I would ever need to go back and say what date did I fly on. Uh, you know what? What date did I fly Western Airlines to Denver that one time in 1986? I I would never. I don't think need, but but I might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but but they but they form a collective knowledge base that you can cross reference. Mm-hmm. Um. You know how many times have I ever flown to Colorado? Mm-hmm. How how of all the times I've flown to Colorado, how many of them were in the spring and how many of them were in the fall? How many <clears throat> times did I fly United Airlines before I decided I would never fly United Airlines again? Right, right. Um, and if you do have stuff from the '80s, wow! I mean, I, I would do a lot of that with Gmail because Gmail has such good search in it for finding stuff. But you're, but like, but, but there's also something about the physicality of that, right? Isn't that part of the fun? Yes, because. It's nice to see things that are yellowed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see things that are written in, you know, that were printed out by a printer rather than, you know, mm. old tickets that are made that are on cards. Boy, airline tickets used to be great. They're real <clears throat> they were. thick, real thick, and like then they went to that thermal paper, like fax paper or receipt paper, and it got all smudgy and not as fun, you know. Yeah, and now forget about it. So I have a friend uh, that I was introduced to by uh, John Flansburg and Robin Goldwasser, uh, uh, listeners to the program, at least John is. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Susie Matthews, and she is the daughter of Mike Matthews, who f- is the crazy guy that founded uh, Electro Harmonics. Really? 
Electroharmonics being the makers of the Big Muff distortion yeah. pedal, among a thousand wow. other incredible pedals. Yeah. Microsynth and the... I had, a, know, I had, well, I had a phaser oh, yeah. that was like, it was like a bread box. It was huge. Yep, they're massive. And it went tonk, tonk. It didn't have a button. The whole thing was a button. Yeah, the whole thing was a button. Yeah. Those are those are worth money now. <laughs> but um, uh, Mike Matthews is like one of those New York guys from the '60s who's just like, wow, you know, he just uh, he just invented this fuzzbox thing, and I think he had a lot of girlfriends, and he wore his hair in a big curly mess. I've I've met Mike Matthews. I've been to. A, oh, he looks the old colorful. Elect- He's a colorful. Guy. Oh my goodness. And um, and his daughter. Uh, Susie is also a, uh, she's her own, uh, free spirit. And at some point, uh, we were, you know, like uh, we haven't talked in a while, but we were, you know, we were friends and, and talked frequently. And at one point she, and she's an artist and she said, why don't you send me all of your ticket stubs mm-hmm. and I'll make an artwork out of them. And although I was polite, it felt like she was saying, why don't you send me all of your children and I will cut them up and, and like shellac <laughs> them to a canvas. Uh-huh. I was like, I'll, you're going to, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll make them uh, critically probative. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to take my I'll tickets. give them a persuasive theory. <laughs> and the thing is that she was, it was a great idea because what she was saying, it was, she was attempting at the time to help me deal with clutter Oh, yeah. I've, I, had, I've had three different lady friends in my life say, how about I turn all your rock and roll shirts into a quilt? Mm. And I'm like, well, that just breaks all the shirts. And then I have a shitty quilt. You know, Ben Gibbard's mother made um, keyboard covers and amp covers for him out of out of the 5,000 rock shirts that he had. Oh, that's that's practical. Yeah. And Adam Pranica has a has a uh, has a bedspread made out of rock shirts and it's got like two or three long winter shirts on there. Wow. And I look at it and I go, Oh, those shirts are worth a lot of money now. Uh, but I don't think they are. Yeah. Um, but it's just a way of saying, he must like, not well, have you, yellow pit stains like I do. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be sleeping anywhere near those. Well, Oof. you just take the, you just take the middle out. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you're right. They do. They still smell. They still so, smell. so she very aggressively wanted to art your things in, into a different thing because she thought that it would be better mm-hmm. if I had like a, like a three foot by three foot square painting incorporating all of my, you know, multimedia artwork incorporating all of my tickets that she had scissored into. Cause she did a lot of, uh, she did a lot of work. A lot of her, she had big, big artworks and they, they had a lot of numbers in them. Hmm. You know, it was numerological. She would find, uh, she'd find a thousand, uh, numbers from, a old movie marquee. Oh, interesting. Okay. And make, make things out of, uh, out of, uh, uh, out of numbers. <clears throat> so she was going to do this out of my tickets. And I was like, um, uh, that's super nice of you, but like, no. And mm-hmm. also like, stop even thinking about my shoebox full of tickets because, yeah. or cigar box full of tickets. Cause I don't want them. I don't want you like starting to covet it because, and there are tickets missing, right? Like, I don't mm. think I have the, I don't think I have a ticket stub from Dio and Dokken. Because I don't know it, like it went through the wash or something. It stayed in my jeans, and uh, and I and and it's not in the it's not in the box. Hmm. There are things that aren't in the box, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
And that affects the that affects how I look at the whole box. I look at the box and I go, "Really? That's that's the box. It's got a lot of stuff in it, but it doesn't have everything." And so I can only love it up to here. You know, it's only useful yeah. up to here. Interesting. Okay. Like nobody saved the ticket stubs for the, all the flights that I took as a kid, but I have saved every single one of my daughter's ticket stubs because really, if she, yes, if she wants a shoebox, well, she won't. I know, but if she did, <laughs> Let's save she these would comics have, for you. <laughs> she would, Why? Look, this was Daddy's shirt. This uh-huh. was Daddy's shirt. I, the, this the, was, the, the the painful question is to always now. You're probably the wrong person to ask this to. Is to ask yourself like, when's the last time your somebody in your family said, "I saved this for you," and you're like, "Hmm, all right, let's." But in your case, you're probably very happy to have something somebody saved for you. Anybody that's more information for, for the system, like my mom, <clears throat> burns everything. Yeah. So I go, where's the thing? And she goes, oh, I burned that. You know, like, oh, oh, that's gone. And it's gone, right? Don't it's bother not like, looking for it. Yeah, don't bother looking for it. It's gone. And I am just like always, oh, mom, that was exactly the thing that we need right now. And she's like, yeah, well, six months ago, I burned it. Huh. My dad didn't intentionally ever hand me something and say, I saved this for you. But my dad's, my dad's like, complete jumble of an archive preserved things for me even though he didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, you said he had tons of like like letters and check stubs and stuff like that. My uncle every once in a while will send me an envelope, a manila envelope full of things. But at a certain point my dad, my uncle and their sister started to do that thing where every photograph or letter they would make, um, not just three copies of, but 13 copies of. Oh, no. That creates a lot of noise. It does. And so I'll get this manila envelope, and it'll be my Uncle Jack saying, like, I've sent you all these things. And then I'll open it up, and it's like, I have all of these things, because these are all photocopies of the original thing, and no one knows where that is. But mm-hmm. But I have these because you guys made 13 copies. Dad had four of them. You have four of them, clearly. You're sending me two. Um, and that <clears throat> that's a little staticky. And part of that is because what increases the static is that those came from my uncle. So they – I was talking about this the other day. The piece of paper now has sentimentality attached to it. Separate from its information, hmm. it has the sentimentality of – this came from my uncle who thought it was important and sent it to me. And so, okay. Oh, jeez. Oh. Although it, it should go into the shredder. Yeah. Now I have to, now it stays on the countertop next to my upside down. If you keep down. anything long enough, it gets sentimental value. Yeah, right. right. That's, 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 the, that's the odd thing. Yeah. Well, so here's, so let me, let me run this by you. Yeah. The people that bought my house said a very interesting thing. They said, we don't have that much stuff. We're like a couple that's been living in an apartment. So anything you want to leave in the house when you go, go ahead and leave it. Huh? Huh. And I said, what do you mean? Like, like furniture? Like, 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 is it like when you're at a campsite and you leave extra firewood and paper towels? Like, uh, you know, I always do that. Like when we leave, yeah. if there's firewood, we're going to leave the firewood. We, I oh, figure it's fine. a nice thing. Now, somebody well, else you, might think that's a nuisance. 
No, no, no. You cut up more firewood for the next people. So when they first arrive at the campsite, they can get a fire going. Yeah. Pay, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. But they were like, we have no, we, you know, if you leave nothing, that's fine. But if there's stuff that you don't want, if there's a chair or an old, you know, bureau or something, leave it. If we don't want it, we'll deal with it. Okay. They're very, um, you know, they're very like take care of business type of people. And they figure um, maybe you are going to leave something that is useful to us. Sure, it's not a trap. I, it doesn't sound like a trap. All right. And so I said, well, actually, I'm thinking about leaving the dining room table and chairs because where I'm going, I'm not going to need it. It's in a, it's in a classic <laughs> Where we're style. going, we don't need dining rooms. We're, that's right. Where, we, where, where I'm going. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. And so looking around the house, I'm like, well, actually, a lot of this stuff was going to be a problem for me. Like, what was I going to do with this dining room table and chairs? I was going to take it to the Goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm leaving it for them. What about that thing upstairs? I'll leave that for them. And it's none of it's, I'm not leaving junk for them. Right. It's all great. It's all stuff that uh, is super cool and, and kind of belongs here. The kind of thing that anyone would want. Anyone would want. Of course you want a dining room table, even if you're going to get a new one when you move into your new house. Absolutely. And there's a nice dining room table and seven chairs. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like, great. Well, Mm -hmm. we can have a party tomorrow. You can put put your boxes on there. Yeah, put your boxes on the dining room table, just like I do. Or seven chairs. But then. (laughs) Just like you do. And seven chairs. You can put a jacket on each chair and Uh then another jacket on top of that jacket. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Until there's no your regular Algonquin round table. <laughs> <laughs> All the boxes could uh, talk to each other. But so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is this is even hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. But there's a baby grand piano here, and it's a baby grand piano that my mother bought out of the little nickel in or the penny saver or whatever it is called in your neighborhood in 1974 uh it's a wheel lock brand piano it dates from 1915 or something she bought it for who knows how much nothing probably it was in little nickel it's the piano that i sat at when i was seven years old and tried to learn scales. It's the piano that I sat at when I was 10 years old and played the theme from Close Encounters. It's the piano I taught myself how to play piano on. It's the piano that I wrote The Commander Thinks Aloud on. It's the piano that moved into this house with me and that I play every couple of days and have played sometimes you know, every morning when I woke up and every night before I went to bed. It's my piano. And from the time it was my mother's piano until I, till that day in high school when I sat down at it and said, how does this work exactly? I sit at this all the time, but how does this work? And I sat and started to, this is the piano that I learned Harvey Danger's music on. Like I've Mm -hmm. taught myself music at this piano. If there was a way for an item to be imbued with sentimental significance, this piano 
fits all the criteria, right? It has it all. It's been with me almost my whole life. It was in my childhood home. It's a big part of my musical life. And my this is the piano that my cousin Sella said, something's wrong with your piano. It sounds sick. And I said, get out of my house. <laughs> but where I'm going, I don't need a baby grand piano. I don't even know where I'm going, Merlin. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But I know when I get there, I'm not going to need a baby grand piano. So I go to my mom and I say, what about the piano? And she, without, she doesn't even let me get that far into the sentence. She's like, get rid of the piano. I'm like, yeah, I know. But mom, it's got all these. And it's just like, I'm, it's like I'm speaking Chinese to her because, mm -hmm. and I've, this has been my whole life. I'm like, but it has all this significance. And she just doesn't hear it. She's like, burn it. But for the first time, this combination of packing up my house, trying to be swimming with the turts every day, trying to reduce, reuse, recycle, mm -hmm. and with the idea that this young couple is like, whatever you don't want, leave it. And I'm like, do you leave a piano? Mm -hmm. Is that? Cutting firewood for somebody uh, to arrive at the campsite, or is that leaving the car that you don't want anymore and pulling off the VIN tags? Yeah, I, I told you about a friend of mine back in Florida who uh, did this thing all the time where he would have this very earnest conversation with you. Got another guy in the band scene, and he had this very earnest conversation with you. He's like, Listen, I have something I'd really like for you to have. I was like, Oh, what, what, what? He's like, This is the radio that my dad and me used to listen to when I was a kid. And you'd be like, Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. He, he would do this all the time. He'd have these things that were invested with so much sentimentality and portent and like these parts of his life. And, uh, and, and it was always broken. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so basically it became a way of saying like, now you throw this away from me, but like now you're going to throw away, you know, uh, you know, uh, Tony's dad's radio. Like right. this is your problem now. Firewood is not a problem. A well, piano is a lot to deal with. I don't want it to be a problem. And the thing is, I think there are a lot of people who, I mean, there are people listening to the program right now who are like, I would take that piano. But there are plenty of people who would move into a house and go, there's a baby grand piano here. That's amazing. Right? It's like decorative. It's not, it's a great piano. Okay, let, me, let me just clarify one thing. Um, yeah. Just to clarify, you, for, for whatever reason, you don't even need to give me reasons why or why not, but you are um, not only okay with not having that piano, but you'd prefer not to have to deal with it. Whether that means moving, storage, like whatever it is, you just as soon not have the piano, correct? No. I am saying this to you now because I am deeply profoundly wrestling with what to do with the piano would you prefer to have it if you had somewhere to put it not necessarily okay. because if i'm if i am serious if i am in earnest about i mean the whole game this whole game for the for the entire last year about selling this house has not just been mm. Mm -hmm. I've lived in this house for 10 years and I move and now I need to move somewhere else or I'll live here for 20 years and I'll be somebody that lived in the same house for 20 years. It's been maybe this is a maybe this is a this totally flawed thinking but 
I realized that, that modernism, my mom and I always had this aesthetic argument. She was a modernist and I was a, uh, eclectic. And she would say, the great thing about modernism, when it arrived, she said, you know, because she was there when it arrived. She was like, people used to live in houses that had freaking doilies on the back of everything. And grandma got up and started dusting at six o'clock on Saturday morning, and she was still dusting at nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. But modernism came in, and all of a sudden you just opened the sliding glass doors, and the wind of change blew through, and Every shelf had one thing on it, and it was liberating. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, I wish that you'd kept those doilies because I would give them to Susie Matthews. You're almost more Victorian. We're like, when you're taking that dust uh, analogy or dust fact, like you got to go dust some very complicated chair legs and then readjust the doilies. And there's like this whole, like, um, I don't know, almost like um, existential debt, physical debt of dealing with all the stuff that you have and, and the more stuff you have, that's nice. The more stuff you have to keep nice more, you know what I mean? More sources of anxiety of like, you know, just the weight of physicality in life. And she's happy to leave that behind. She's happy to leave it behind. But, but I was attracted to more, you know, like she told me at one point, your grandmother kept stacks of money under the corners of all of her Oriental carpets. Hmm. Because she didn't believe in banks. Mm, okay. And so if you lifted up a corner of the carpet, there would be a stack of money under there. And it wasn't so big that it made it hard to walk on the carpet, but it made it very difficult to deal with your grandmother's house after she died. Because you couldn't just say to some movers, take everything out. Because she had put stacks of money under things. And I was like, I resemble that. <laughs> right. But you know what? Uh, we'll tell you one thing about a uh, Oriental rug: no service charges, no overdraft fees. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. No fraud detection phone calls. <laughs> but the but the piano. So if I'm moving, I am moving into modernism, and by by embracing mm. modernism, which is a thing I don't understand, and up until now have been fairly hostile to as an as a as a global aesthetic mm-hmm. by embracing it i am i have found a path what i think is a path to orderliness that i could not accomplish okay if i weren't adopting an entire movement simultaneous you, you you're going all in that's the attempt, mm-hmm. right? To say, like, so it's not something where you're like saying, "Oh, I'm leaving behind my music life and my childhood and setting aside these things." It's it's more that in for in for a penny and for a pound, and then for the new modernism. Yes, okay. if I am going to have, like, I have a I have several little artworks that are made out of baleen and. Uh, like walrus ivy and uh, there's one a little statue of two polar bears fucking that are that's carved out of an usik. Hmm. And an usik is a walrus penis bone. Oh wow, that's a lot, so, lot, lot going on. Yeah, so if yeah. you take a walrus penis bone which is a very hmm. porous bone and then you carve it mm-hmm. into a statue of two 
animals having sex, it becomes a, um, a fertility device. Okay. And this is of a polar bear humping another polar bear. And uh, it's a treasure. I don't, I don't need to say mm-hmm. what a treasure it is. I challenge you to find one. I definitely don't have one here. But if I'm going to display this uh, mm. uh, two polar bears humping carved out of an usik, it cannot be on a shelf with a bunch of baleen and ivory boats. It has to just sit by itself. I have to choose it. Not only do I have to choose it, I have to like take some light and shine it on the thing. And it, and it will just be there all by itself and people will come in and they won't look at the shelf and their eyes will just glaze over and just see junk. They'll be forced to confront Mm -hmm. the two polar bears humping carved out of a new And I have to choose that. And all of that is fascinating to me as opposed to just like, Oh, well this is made out of some part of a whale. Yeah. These are all the, these are all my maritime artifacts. (laughs) Right, right. This is all the stuff that's made out of whale and walrus, and they all go on a shelf together. These are all of the belt buckles that have to do with interstate trucking in the 1970s, and they all go on a shelf together. No, you pick one. Mm-hmm. You pick the one that says STP, or you pick the one that says, you know, like, if this van's rocking, keep on wow, walking. This is so one. philosophically different from your old approach. Yes. Really, really fundamentally different. Where you're saying, like, oh, I, I don't have my ticket to a Dio concert from the 80s, Dio and Dokken. It's very different from, like, this is just going to be one, uh, one walrus boner. Right. And, <sighs> and if I do want to, if I were able to find my Dio ticket, I could put that Dio ticket in a frame and find, it, find a place where it was the only thing on that wall. Right. And that would be a thing. But don't have I could even give all my tickets to Susie Matthews and have her make a single artwork out of them. Mm-hmm. But don't just have a don't have a stack of cigar boxes in the living room that have every ticket you ever touched. So this is like it's going to be a massive challenge for me. It's going to break me psychologically in a in what I hope is a good way. It's going to shatter the glacier. And is there room in that for a grand piano? Mm-hmm. And part of the problem of the grand piano is that it is so imbued with significance. Mm-hmm. Part of the power of leaving it go is that it's like a major anchor, uh, an anchor in a, in a, in a past life. But to take that grand piano and roll it out onto the street and roll it down, you know, just push it down the hill, I couldn't do. I mm-hmm. couldn't give it to a thrift store. And I mean, have you considered donating it? Here's I mean, the thing. It here's seems the like thing. There's, there would be somebody in the community. There's got to be a church, a community center, a veterans group. There's got to be somebody that would like to have that. Here's a, here's, here's a, a little, um, this will be a little Easter egg hunt for you. Yeah. Have you ever gone on your local Craigslist and put free piano? No. In? I haven't. It's a fun adventure. Hmm. Because uh in San Francisco right now, I'm going to guess there are 40 free pianos. Really? And a handful Mostly of probably those, like spin it like stand up classroom mm, pianos. You would think. Hmm. 
but there will be a handful of not just baby grand pianos, but full grand pianos, as well as player pianos. What? Uh, How is that possible? That are gorgeous. Why doesn't John Vanderslice have all of them? He bought as many as he could fit. <sighs> the thing is, it used to be that everyone had a piano, and now no one has a piano. No one has it a piano. used to be everyone had an accordion. Now well, no one has. Well, it used to be a thing where, like, I know, you know, I I've known more than one person where mom got to a certain age and said, "Look, I'm due. You all owe me. I <laughs> want a nice piano, mm-hmm. right? Like I've I've gotten you guys off to school every day." You know, I've, 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 I've been the mom and now I would like us to have a nice piano and I'm going to play it. And none of you are going to protest. That used to be a thing. That was a thing like in the seventies, eighties, not always mom, but often mom. It's like, I I want a piano in this house. Damn it. We had a piano in my house when I was a kid. We have the means, we have the room, we have the sunken living room. I want a goddamn piano. And that was like, and it wasn't just like a status thing. It was like, just, this is, this will feel more like the home I've always wanted to have if it has a piano in it. So you will get me a piano. And I think what that represents, I don't know why I just said represents. I think what that represents is that my mom, your mom grew up in a house that had a piano. And at some point that piano got lost at some point it was, um, grandma's piano didn't make it to the future. Like my dad grew up in a house with an enormous Steinway, you Mm -hmm. know, my aunt Julia Lee had a beautiful baby Steinway. And when, when my uncle Cal died, my cousin Paige said, do you want Julia Lee's Steinway? And I had this wheelock here. Mm-hmm. Well, the Steinway was 10 times the piano that this wheelock is. And I was sentimental about the freaking wheelock. And I was like, I can't get rid of this piano. And briefly, and I know this sounds like, I know that sometimes I say things that are, that sound so me that they can't possibly be true, but there was a brief week <laughs> you where considered I having two pianos. that I considered having two baby grand pianos. Your house is big, but it's not that big. It's not that big. One would have and to it, become a barn piano. A barn piano, which is a bad That's a thing. bad piano life. And then... It's fine It's, it's it, fine for a scooter, maybe not for a piano. <laughs> two, two scooters, one piano. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what they say. But then it occurred to me, hey, wait, my brother Bart is a professional piano player and music teacher. And so I wrote Bart and said, do you want Julie's piano? And he said, why are you in a position to give me Julie's piano? And I was like, it's a long story. Hmm. It was about to land here, but I have this trash wheelock that I'm, that I'm tied to. And so the Steinway went to Bart and of course, Bart makes it, Bart makes it sing and it's a, and he didn't have one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had 40 electric pianos, but he never had, he never had a p- beautiful piano. It's a redistribution of wealth, except with pianos. There's a lot of pianos in my family and they move around, but mm-hmm. this I think is maybe one of the last because again, nobody plays piano. I'm the only, you know, I'm the only person well, for that a variety I know. Of reasons, not, not many people, not only that, I mean, it's a, as they say, a perfect storm. Fewer people are probably like, People who have keyboard abilities have ways of doing that, and I'm guessing fewer and fewer people 
have the kind of footprint where you could have a baby grand piano in your house. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if this if this baby grand piano hadn't been in the center of my living room the last 11 years, it would have been a lot easier to get around this house. But also that space would have just been taken up with fucking cardboard boxes full of ticket stubs. So at least with the piano, I had someplace to put my keys. And your candelabra. And my and candelabras. Mm-hmm. Or I guess, wait a minute. Are, I think candelabra is already plural. Candelabra is plural, isn't it? Candela- you get one, one candelabrum. A candelabrum. If it's female, it's candelabrae. A candelabrae. <laughs> so what are you, you going to do? I feel like I owe them a text where I walk around the house and I go, the new, the okay. New, the new uh, owners, the new, the new owners, tenants, yeah. Where I say, okay, I know that you said leave some stuff, mm-hmm. but what about this? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they'll be like, the dining room table is great. What about this hutch? The hutch, leave it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, what about this grand piano? And if they're like, wow, then I know I'll have a winner. I'll know I have a oh, winner. Oh, yeah. It was, meant to, it was meant to happen. Yeah. And if they're like, whoa. Do they have kids? Not yet is the way that all my neighbors are talking about them. Mm. They have never said that, of course, but this is the way neighbors are, right? Mm. Uh, I've overheard a couple of neighbors. Talking I think you're, about I think them. one way or another, you're going to get a strong opinion that will tell you what to do. I don't yes. think there's going to be uh, a tepid opinion. No, and then, and I think based on that, I have to then, I have to at a certain point in my life, I'm going to have to say to this piano, "Go with God." Mm-hmm. Use use your wheels. Now, what's complicating it is up until now, I've been trying to move myself like 10 bags and four boxes and three guitars into the back of my suburban and I drive it to the storage space and I get the cart out and I wheel it up there and I put the stuff in the storage space. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. But I just got an email the last day or two from a guy who said, I love all the great shows. Mm -hmm. I also work at the head office of some moving company. Can we help you move? Hmm. And he's doing it as a, like, he's doing this as an all the great shows. Um, That's a very kind offer. It is. And, but it makes the piano question that much crazier because all I have to do now is say, uh, yeah, and the piano. And then they'll pack it up and it will go somewhere and it will be a kick the can down the road. Well, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to kick this can down the road. I'm here. I'm here at the moment of decision okay. about the piano. So this is this is not about the piano, really. It's kind of about the piano, but it's really about the philosophy and the and the buy-in for the new program. Right. Right. Kind of. Yes. Because you don't. It sounds. I mean, if I could say, it sounds like you do not have that surpassingly strong of an opinion about saying, "Hell yeah, I'll do whatever it takes to keep this fucking piano." It's it's more like you're almost looking for an out. It seems to me. I feel like the piano is the thing. If I embrace modernism, I cannot have the piano. I want the piano. My heart is in the piano. But if I embrace modernism, I cannot have the piano. And if I keep the piano, I am betraying the plan to embrace modernism. 
So the whole thing hinges on it. This is the decision. Mm-hmm. And if I bring the piano, then I bring with it my eclecticism and the candelabra. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, you've probably already considered this, but I just discovered that there is a website called pianoadoption.com where wow. you can go to pianoadoption.com and you could say, I, I have a piano if you would like to have it. I don't know. I'm just saying, personally, I never look at Craigslist. I think it's a morass. This is a, a bespoke site. Now, there are a lot of Washington pianos in here. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like- you might, for fun, it wouldn't cost you much. It might probably cost you nothing. I'm just in terms of like effort. You might want to just put it up here and see what happens. And this is the thing about, you know, the wonderful thing about pianos is that it'll be like, free piano, free piano, free piano. Mm-hmm. Piano, $14,000. Like piano people, John Roderick wrote The Commander Thinks Aloud on? I got a feeling somebody's going to want the fucking piano. Yeah. I think after this episode, you are going to be deluged with people who would love to have your piano. Deluged. Deluged. Well, I don't know. But, then, but I take know, your point. I feel what you're saying. It's a symbolic piano. It's not just a bunch of keys and, uh, and, and a case. So it's, 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 it's bigger than that. You need, you need to get thee behind me, Satan. Like, I love you, piano, but it's time for you to go. And you just wheel it out. And it's like Harry and the Hendersons. You have to punch the piano to make it go away. Punch the piano to make it go. Oh, because you they love, love it. They love Harry so much. But for Harry has to go back. He's got to go back into the woods. So John Lithgow has to, has to physically assault Harry to show his love for him. You're honoring the piano and your future, is what was what I'm saying. I see. Mm-hmm. Harry and the Hendersons. Uh huh. Okay. So the piano is my Harry. It might be your Harry. It's got wheels, right? It does have wheels. You don't just leave it's it a, out front. It's a piano. It's a piano. No, you can't. I mean, <laughs> dumbass. Of course, it has wheels. <laughs> Fucking idiot. It's I mean, a piano. They all have wheels. It's a piano. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I have a Yamaha keyboard. See, yeah. you don't have to. You're not. I'm not going to YamahaAdoption.com. If you ever, if you ever move, yeah, that thing just goes right in your backpack. 